Thank you for joining us on a special question and answer video. Got a ton of them, so I'll get to them very quickly. First, you need to know, uh, quite a few questions have come in about women's roles in worship, and uh, that's a real issue uh, in many people's minds. It's really hurt a lot of women, and it's confused a lot of everybody. So be aware, I pre-record my lessons uh, whenever I know I'm going to be traveling and August and September and much of October is just a traveling whirlwind for me So I can tell you that at near the end of August. I believe it's the last Wednesday of August is First uh, the midweek Bible class is first Corinthians 14 part 2 For part 1 the week before I work all the way up to that big hammer verse, but then I don't go there so it's the last Wednesday of August uh, it's 1 Corinthians 14, part 2, and then the 1st of September is a Wednesday, and that is the, um, take a look, because that's the second part of that. It's 1 Corinthians 14, part 3. So look for part 2 and part 3 of uh, 1 Corinthians, and you'll, and you'll have it, all right? Uh, it'll be very brief, and it will not be exhaustive, but you'll, you'll get enough information to know where I am and why, and then we could move from there if you need more. I've certainly written and done a lot more on it. The, uh, the other issue that I get an awful lot about is, is why, do, why do we believe uh, and why, why is science so against the Bible? And as my response always is, science isn't against the Bible and the Bible's not against science. All truth is God's truth. And so just as long as we're hunting for the truth. That said, a new sermon series begins this next Sunday. Uh, so look for that. It's in the middle of August. We've already gone through the first couple of weeks. So the third Sunday in August, <clears throat> we're uh, starting a series on why I believe, and we're calling it Reasons to Believe. And there'll be a lot of science there. There'll be some other stuff as well, but it will be done in a style as if I'm just sitting in your living room. It will not be big PowerPoint presentations. All right, we'll have a Bible, and whatever I share with you, you'll be able to share with others. It'll be non-technical then, all right? And we'll deal with the issues as well. There are several issues, you know, one of them here is, um, I got about, well, what about uh, all the DNA that we share with uh, all the others, like the apes and the like? Yeah, we'll talk about that. That'll be good. Others uh, wonder about junk DNA. Doesn't that just show us that uh, as we evolved, part of our DNA is no longer used. And in fact, I've seen quite a few articles over the years that say that about 96 to 98 percent of our DNA is junk, not used anymore. Guess what? In the last two years, they're finding out it's not junk, that it actually produces the genes that we really, really need to be ourselves functional and individuals. It's kind of like the old days whenever they said, you don't need your appendix, what's the tonsils for? And then they found out vestigial organs weren't really a thing. So tune in this Sunday, all right? Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna put this one aside too, this for now, this is about the women's issue, but I, I might have to come back to it because these, these are just heartbreaking. They absolutely break my heart. The, the way that biblical womanhood, it's called, this doctrine that comes from um, very legalistic and almost always Calvinistic in some form, uh, corners of the church that tries to make itself sound mainstream and be mainstream, it isn't. 
It just isn't. So we'll get to that. Here are the questions for this week. One, um, we cannot know God's will, so how can we know if our wants and desires are online? Well, I, I, I do hear you, <clears throat> but I'm wondering how you know that we don't know God's will. If you mean we don't know what he knows, I agree. If, you don't, if you're saying we don't know everything that's good for us, I agree. But the reason we ask is because he asked us to. He told us to. He said, bring your desires. God knows what you need, but bring your desires to him. Now, that seems like, well, if he knows what we need, why would we? You ever had kids? And the kids remind you it's dinner time? Or that they need a snack? Or that they need this, that, and the other? And it is your will that they grow up big and strong. So you're not going to hand them a Hershey bar for breakfast. I hope. Um, you'll, you'll give them Fruit Loops and pretty much the same thing, just with a vitamin spray on it. But we, we try to give everything we can to our children without spoiling our children and without giving them something that would harm them. It's in the same way with God. And he also tells us, come, let us reason together. Let's walk together. And so our talking to God does change things. God had a thing in mind to do with the Israelites and he approached Moses and Moses said, don't do that. I, I would like for you to do this. And God moved and did it with Moses. And I don't buy what I've heard from many. Oh, God was just testing Moses. Oh, stop it. If you have to explain away everything, after a while, it makes me wonder what you do believe in. Um, so we, we ask him, we talk to him. Uh, so the, the questioner then asks, shouldn't public prayer be very specific and just about doing the will of God? I think that that leads to two things. One's a form of legalism. You can only say things that sound like seeking the will of God, where God gave us no such stricture at all. Second, it can become very fatalistic. So you're just praying for the will of God and whatever happens, oh well, I guess that was the will of God. There's no, there's, there's no example of this in scripture. Public prayers should address public concerns. If we are in a drought, there is nothing wrong with praying for rain at all. People prayed for rain in the Bible and God answered. They prayed for water and he gave it to them. They prayed for salvation from this tribe or that prison or this. You get the idea. And he moved. And so we do pray. Now, there are some things I don't think belong in a public prayer. I just don't. If I were to pray uh, this coming Sunday, and I would ask God to bless a particular political party or a political candidate, that would be well beyond anything God has asked me to talk about in public. Because the people that attend our safe harbor, whether in person or the vast groups online and some of them in their clusters, they have all kinds of political feelings and needs and they have understandings that, uh, you know, this is, this is our culture, this is what we need here, that I would disagree with. I'd say, no, we need this. So we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And if I need um, nice weather for a baseball game on Saturday, I don't play base baseball, just work with me. 
Um, and so I pray, God, I know we're in a drought, but don't let it rain uh, on Saturday because uh, the church has a, base, uh, has a baseball game. I, I'm thinking that's a very selfish thing. You know, the farmers might need rain more than you need to play ball. Um, but the thing to do is you know, toss it up in private to God. And in public, stick with pri uh, public concerns. Um, a questioner asked if a person who is an addict should pray for the strength not to be an addict. Well, yes, of course. Talk to God about anything. He's your father. He wants to hear from you. I think that one of the things prayer does, and we don't quite get it, it is a two-way street. And uh, I do not hear God's voice speaking back to me and saying, oh, Patrick, I would choose option C. But instead, praying to God sometimes helps me change my attitude about what I was praying for. And I might find that instead of pray, just praying for a miraculous end to my addiction, that I start praying, would you bring the right people in my life? Could you help me find them? Could you help me escape the wrong people? You get the idea. Our prayers change the more we pray, but you gotta start praying and you're not doing it wrong. However you're talking to God, I mean, can you imagine? Let's say that you're a young person talking to your father about something you really want or that really concerns you or that you've really wondered about and I just break in between you and your dad and I go, no, 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 you're, you're, you're talking to your dad wrong there. That's not what your dad wants to hear. How, how ever so rude. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to pray. That's between you and your father. Jesus, when he was asked, did a very short, quick, generic prayer. Does that mean all prayers should be short, quick, and generic? Check out John 17. Evidently, he had enough material to go through the night, uh, so much so that his best friends kept falling asleep. So prayer varies according to your situation, your needs. You're not doing it wrong. Another question comes, uh, if, uh, Jesus, if Jesus is God and man, what form is he in now? What form was he in when the earth was created? Is he now in a place that supports the human body? If not, how is he God as man or is he something else? Okay, <clears throat> cool. Before Jesus came into the world, of course he was pre-existent with the Father in the beginning. And um, several places, like John 1 said, he created all things. And so nothing was created, it goes further, nothing was created that he did not create. So he's not a created being. He was there at the beginning with the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. And in Genesis, in fact, it says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Plurals until you get to the word likeness, and that's uh, singular because they have the same likeness. Jesus was in the same form as God. And then as he enters the womb of Mary, and he, um, he grows in the womb, <clears throat> we know it's supernatural for a variety of reasons, but one of them is that she had not been with a man, and yet this is a boy. Uh, women do not carry the Y gene, so yeah. Uh, that was formed by the Holy Spirit in her. As a human, sometime during the process, he learns more and more about who he is. The Holy Spirit shows him more and more who he is. But um, that's not done all at once when you're four. You don't want a four-year-old knowing they're God. In fact, some of the, the lost Bibles of Scripture, 
were, they're not lost. They're in, you can go get them anywhere. Uh, were false or pseudo gospels written long after, full of fanciful tales of Jesus making little clay birds and then throwing them up in the sky and they become birds. But those same gospels <clears throat> have this little Jesus, this little baby Jesus making things and somebody, you know, a little pottery and somebody made fun of him and so he struck them dead as a toddler. You don't want that, right? In the Bible, you see a little bit when he's 12. But his statement is generic enough to make us wonder. And then when he's 30 and he presents himself for baptism, God announces from heaven who he is. And immediately he's taken to the desert to be tried by the, the devil. That's what he was taken by God there for. So he is learning. And in fact, the Bible even uses that verb. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. But he was always the son of God. He always was, as we are, a spiritual being, but at this particular time had a body. By the way, this is <clears throat> confusing enough that there were a huge variety of heresies built around this over the years. Um, there were ones where J Jesus was just this hapless person and God then uh, entered him and then Jesus, as he's cru being crucified, the spirit leaves him because you can't kill God, so he's away now and just Jesus dies. And in fact, one of these early lost gospels is horrific in that it has Jesus, the real Jesus in the spirit, laughing at that poor sucker dying on the cross. Like I said, heresies. So <clears throat> what form is God in, or Jesus in now? I would assume that body thing was left behind. But wait, he ascended. Well, we're, we're told that we'll all rise, but we will be, and Paul uses a particular word here, and we generally translate it, translated. It, it's going to be different. Will we have bodies of some sort? Will they be human? Nope. Uh, will we recognize each other? Yeah, people do on the other side. That's shown in Scripture. Uh, and in fact, when they come back from that side and we look at them and we've never seen them, like during the Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, those, they were recognized, even though they'd never been seen. And no, they didn't do paintings or pictures. So a lot of this is a mystery, but just to make it as simple as I can, God put on flesh, that's, that's a scriptural term. He dwelled among us and then he went back up to his father. And that body was translated, transformed in whatever God does, but he is not a human and wherever he is does not have to support human life. And if this earth, as many, many people believe, will be renewed and made into heaven, we're not going to be carrying around these same bodies because trust me, as a 64 year old who just landed at the airport yesterday morning and got home after three o'clock, well, got home just before three o'clock. Um, these bodies aren't built for eternity. We're going to need an upgrade. All right, there are more, and I hope I'm going to do this real quick. I've been receiving questions about Proverbs 15:29 and James 5:16. Some believe this means God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners, and yet He does. <clears throat> um, Cornelius was not a Christian, and yet he heard those prayers, and and we could do more. 
Yes, James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you're going to start dividing everybody from righteous and unrighteous, that's not your job. God will listen to every prayer he wants to listen to. And it seems that when he says, whosoever will may come, that's pretty much whosoever. That said, two lovely young ladies came to my front door. I did not meet them. My Simply Safe doorbell recorded them. They put a little thing in my front door and then walked away, thereby alerting any passer, passers-by that are evildoers that that guy's not home because there's a thing on his door. <laughs> anyway, and that, that it's just, to me, that's a little humorous. It's not a knock on these young ladies. They were being, being very well behaved and they were doing what they believed. And the little track was on how to find salvation. And it was, a, it was a very well done little thing. But on the back, it had the sinner's prayer. It said, just pray this prayer. The Bible gives us no warrant to say, pray this prayer and you'll be saved. There's, there's absolutely no evidence of anything like that intended by God. He wants to change life. And I would, I would say he wants your baptism. I believe that that's fairly plain in scripture. If you ask questions, I'll talk about that. <clears throat> Last one. I'm sorry, this one's gone on a bit, hasn't it? <clears throat> Last, but a ton of questions. <clears throat> says, can you address this in detail for me? The stumbling block passage. Um, the, the writer understands it as, quote, keeping one away from or hindering their path to Christ. I think you nailed it. I, the rest of his thing, um, yes, I have heard this repeatedly that anything you do that I don't like is a stumbling block. In other words, let's say you're in a church that doesn't believe that women are to preach or teach. Well, what if one has an announcement about vacation Bible school or uh, a women's meeting? I don't know how many times I've had people say, well, that might not be sinful, but that could be a stumbling block. What they mean is that'll make that group over there on those pews very angry, and we don't want to deal with it. And friends, a lot of churches should take the name off the church or at least put underneath um, keeping the Smiths happy for 27 years because that's what they're doing. Let me put it to you this way. What if <clears throat> you tuned in this Sunday to our safe harbor, which I hope you do. <clears throat> it's, uh, you are, um, you're changing the world the way this church is growing. Wish I could talk more. Clusters are growing everywhere. It is so exciting. If you tuned in and you saw that we use instruments and you don't use instruments and you don't believe that they should be and you saw that women speak I'm trying to think if women are doing any leading this week or not Misha's down with COVID she's much much better but she's not I told her take another week your voice is too precious to us keep your voice your instrument protected <clears throat> but what if you saw Misha leading and you saw one of our ladies leading a devotional at the Lord's Supper, whether by video or in person, and you go, oh, I don't think that's acceptable. Have we put a stumbling block before you? Well, let me just ask the question. Do you still believe in Jesus? Of course you do. Well, then we didn't make you stumble. You know what would put a stumbling block there? Is if I told you Christ doesn't want to hear your voice in public, be quiet. Or if I told you, I know you're praising Jesus, but you're doing it wrong, stop that. Or 
I, how frank do you want to be? What if I stole money from our safe harbor? What if I um, put sexual pressure on somebody or committed a sexual sin? Would that put a stumbling block in somebody's way? Yes. Yes, it would. And sadly, that has happened in so many churches. One of the prayers that I pray so frequently is, Father, don't let me live another second if I'm going to end up hurting my family or my church. Take me before that ever happens. Don't give me the freedom to hurt my family or my church. Take it seriously. Because, let's face it, if you were to be in, oh, I don't know, uh, a shopping center or a restaurant or some public place and you saw me berating my wife, grabbing her arm and saying, well, you're, you're just being stupid. Would that be a stumbling block? Yes. Because now you're beginning to question everything I've taught about love, everything I've taught about respect for my wife and how I treasure her. And now you begin to wonder, well, is anything else he said true about Jesus and about scripture? That's the stumbling block. It isn't doing something that annoys me. It's doing something that makes me question Christ. I've had people say, well, if I have wine with my dinner, I know it's not a sin, but it could be a stumbling block. How? If somebody decides they can't believe in Jesus, that must mean that you've been teaching that you can't have wine and now they catch you with it. Otherwise, you're just going to think you're having wine. Now, if you're drunk, that could be a stumbling block. So there you go. That's all that I can really do. We've hit 21, 22 minutes, and we have a, a stack. But if you have questions, send them in. From time to time, we'll do one of these special videos for you. All right, God bless, and I look forward to seeing you at our Safe Harbor Church.